Hey, it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to The Ringer Podcast Network. We hope The Ringer can provide you entertainment and companionship during this time. So as always, feel free to check out TheRinger.com, where we're still covering the latest in sports, pop culture, tech, and media. And The Ringer's YouTube channel can provide endless amounts of entertainment. You can find that at YouTube.com slash TheRinger. Welcome to the Ringer NBA Show. I'm Chris Vernon. Joining me as he does every Friday from theRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, aka Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Climber, aka Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin. Verno, how you doing this Friday? Angry. Angry. I mean, you're yeah. usually angry, so that's yeah. that's the no, norm. I'm not. That's, <laughs> that's, <the norm. laughs> that's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm angry at the Ringer. Oh, did, did you see what they did yesterday? Oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. Just you, I'll let you you take the floor. <laughs> I mean, of all things, they have played out the season, and I know Zach Cram's done a very good job with all this, and he simulated the season, and he came out and and the team that was knocked out of the playoffs, as if they're not the eight seed right now, was the Memphis Grizzlies, and they put the Pelicans in because much like. ESPN and everybody else, they fall in love with the Pelicans and what they could be rather than what they have been. And and here I am reading this, and I'm like, okay, how'd they get to the Pelicans? Not only did they have the Pelicans making it, they didn't make it up by like five games. They ended up going 15 and three. They have a losing record. They have barely a 500 record with Zion. By the way, the Grizzlies record with John Morant in the lineup is better than Zion's record, than Pelicans records with Zion in the lineup. I mean, I mean, look, I, this doesn't matter because a, it's a simulation, and b, it the does matter. Postponed. It, it, but I just want to say, we already had hit early in the year before all this happened that the Pelicans had one of the easiest remaining schedules in basketball, which is why, despite the cushion from Memphis, there was reason for concern. Fifteen and three. I know that's. <laughs> That's a bit much, I know. It's, Do you know? Uh, uh, dude, hey, it was for fun. Who cares? Let it take go. Take a guess. Let's move on. <laughs> hey, take a guess. In the last 20 years, take a guess how many under 500 teams have finished the season 15 and 3. I don't know. I, it's I, never probably, happened. Probably zero. I don't know if you've done the research. It's I zero. So I, I have done the but research. Because this, this was a personal affront. Zach Cram simulated no. the season, and this is what came out. He didn't make the choice; he just well, simulated it. And let me just look, say, whatever. It's it's no, it's everybody, not whatever. Every, everybody agrees with you. Like, what happened in Memphis? So, all right, <laughs> it it was it was a disgusting miscarriage of justice, which is what took place. All right, there has not been all that much news that's gone on this week. Uh, Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, ever the calming influence. Did an interview with Rachel Nichols. I guess the biggest new development from that, you know, besides him saying, yeah, right, well, we're, it's pretty clear the NBA really wants to finish the season, right? Like, we know that. Like, that if it's not, it, there's not, a, there's not a lot of cancellation talk. It is mostly how do we figure this out when we can and when the health professionals give us the okay. Beyond that, they talked about maybe putting on a charity game or something that could raise money with a group of players. 
um, at some point as a diversion and for something for people to watch for entertainment's sake. And he said he's had a ton of players reach out to him about the possibility of something like that. So maybe that could happen and that would be cool at least for people to be able to see uh, some NBA basketball being played, whatever. But they're clearly talking over everything uh, that could possibly be done. And then it's just basically, a, you know, you got to wait and see until doctors, health professionals, et cetera, clear them. But I guess my biggest takeaway was they obviously desperately want to finish the season some way, somehow this season and not have it just go by the wayside. And this and, and, and the last game we saw was the end. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody I've talked to, the indication that I've received, and Adam Silver said this himself publicly, right at the end, of the, right at the end of the interview, Rachel Nichols asked Adam uh, any potential of canceling the season. He says, "I'm not there yet. Maybe I'm in denial, but I'm just not there yet." And everybody I've talked to has echoed that. That they haven't even really discussed that yet, despite despite the fact that it is it is a distinct possibility they're trying to come up with as many different ways as possible with any type of ideas possible like if you like want to like post your best ideas on reddit for what to do to conclude the season the nba might check those out they are o- an open book right now in terms of putting their ideas out there which is why i'm reporting things and why i'm hearing things and they're open to any type of ideas to conclude the season uh whether it's like a shorted playoff series as we discussed on Tuesday show or whether it's using a play-in tournament uh, to finish up the regular season, who really knows? But the fact is, is that there is a chance in the end, they'll have to just press cancel and there will be no 2020 champion. And it's just going to end the way it has, unfortunately. Um, But they're not there yet. I'm not an alarmist at all. I never have been. And, but there's a chance that the, this this could be it for for the season. It we'll see how the next month plus goes and see how coronavirus continues to progress. Um, but hopefully, hopefully, um, the steps are taken by local governments, by state governments, and by the the federal government to do everything in their power to to slow this down and eventually uh allow some senses of normalcy to resume during the summer and and hopefully one of those things is some live basketball that we can all enjoy or even if it's shortened playoff series whatever it is to to give us something to watch and um give us something to all to rally around it'd be great one thing that has been normal is you and i are still doing the podcast and we'll continue to do the podcast and we reached out to our listeners on the tuesday episode to send us emails of any questions that you would like to have answered. It was beyond overwhelming, um, the amount of response that we got. And I will tell you you that, yeah, incredibly kind emails. Um, And we are glad that so many of you are happy that we're going to continue to do the show while the season is not going on. And I must tell you, um, I texted you and Bobby Wagner last night, Kev, and I said, "I I am blown away by how good the questions are. There were a ton, a ton of really good questions. We are going to try to get to as many as we can today on the episode. Bobby Wagner is going to tee them up for us, and then we will try to provide our answers as honestly as we possibly can. All right, guys, I'm going to start with one of my favorite questions, which I thought was really in the vein of our show. Jason asks, out of all the arguments and disagreements you two have had, which one is the most memorable? (laughs) I got one right away, Chris. All right. Uh, a cu- couple years back, the Raptors blow it up debate. 
this is this is I think from the sixteen seventeen season, or maybe seventeen eighteen, or maybe both. But that that was at a time where they had Demar Derozan and Kyle Lowry, and it seemed like they were just stuck. And I wrote a whole article on the Ringer with the with the title, uh, "The Raptors are good, but if they want to be great, they might have to blow it up." And the point of the article was to say they might have to trade one of their two star players, but will they be able to do that? And would they even be able to find a great return for that guy? They need to start adding really nice young pieces now for this to work. And of course you look back in hindsight and it's like, they didn't, you know, they, they didn't have to blow it up because something magical happened. Kawhi Leonard (laughs) was outplayed only nine games and he demanded a trade. And, and I think, Looking back at that argument, you and I were sort of arguing in circles, Chris. We were both sort of arguing different things. I was making the point, like I said, not a full blow up, but they might have to tr- make a big trade. And no, neither of us ever could have expected, though, that they actually would have had an opportunity to trade for Kawhi Leonard, even if the perspective was that they should just ride it out, which was what you were arguing because they had something good going. And that shouldn't be devalued, but neither of us ever could have expected it to resolve the way it did. Two that I well, I could have expected it. Um, two, oh, come on, <laughs> two, two that came to my mind were the bright future sons because that's become a thing, right? Where it was just a, it was an article you wrote a long time ago, and I goofed about it, and it's become a thing ever since. And so people <laughs> use that all the time when they tweet. And the other one, which is one that I was I was wrong about, which was still standing by, and you were right about, it, it was earlier in the season, is the, you know, and I think there, because there's go, always going to be a finality to things, and at the beginning of the season, after they had played 20 games or whatever, you were ready to declare the San Antonio Spurs dead. And I just refused after I've done that. You know what I mean? Like maybe it's just my, it's just a, a trigger warning with me in that I've, for 20 years, <laughs> I've seen people call them dead or that's the end of this or whatever else. And I just was not going to believe it until I saw it. And I mean, I'm assuming that even if they resumed, they wouldn't end up going whatever 15 18 and 0 down the stretch but you never know but i think you're right like that this this actually was the end though we have tried to call it the end time and time again over the years this like actually was and it will be the first time that we've seen them in the lottery <laughs> in most people's basketball watching lifetimes you know what i mean like i i, I can't i and being serious I can't remember a time. Who was their last lottery pick? I mean, if we take away the the trades and everything, right? Like, Duncan? It's probably Tim Duncan. Like, if we take away anybody they acquired through trade, that had to be it, right? Um, And that's 97? 97, yeah. You know, it is funny looking back at some of the more recent conversations like that because – with the Phoenix Suns, my my opinion from then is looking bad right now. I still think with Devin Booker, you have a real chance to be really, really good. Uh, but, the, but they're not close <laughs> still, uh, even after their little hot streak at the beginning of the season. And with the Spurs, I remember 
when Shea Serrano turned on me after I wrote the article about how, you know, the end of the Spurs dynasty should be coming, I remember besides Shea, I just remember a lot of Spurs fans and, you know, others who were just like, people always say this about the Spurs. And that's true. People always did. Like, as you just mentioned, you've heard it before. But I remember thinking when I read that, I was like, but this is like my first time ever writing about the Spurs. You don't know that I was saying this back in 2012. The fact is, is that I remember like as a fan back then, before I was ever writing, before I was ever writing for the ringer, I remember thinking like Spurs, are, what are we talking about? What, they, they're still young. I mean, I think for me as a growing up a Patriots fan, it's been different than it has been for the Spurs, but the, the sustained success is something relatable. And I feel like I've always sort of fairly gauged where the Patriots were in the, the championship contending pool of teams. And with the Spurs, I feel like I sort of related to that in that sense where I looked at it and I was like, Let, let's not be premature here in declaring that the end is near. And with San Antonio, the end is here of their dynasty in the sense that they need to go undergo so much change. And we'll see how some of these young guys develop. Like DeJounte Murray is really good, um, but he has so many holes offensively. And Derek White's really good, but can he be a lead ball handler? Uh, they, they have questions on this team, and they don't really have that guy yet. And you hope Lonnie Walker can be that. But um, San Antonio is entering a transitional transitional phase just like the Patriots are. And I think for any any Patriots or Spurs fan, any, te- any fan that's lucky to watch a team win for 20 years, yeah. <laughs> good for you you know good for you this is enjoy this time of transition um because it could last a while you have to find time to enjoy it all right what's next bobby all right in the same vein a little bit thaddeus asks what are your top three list of teams that need to blow it up oh that's for you kev uh so you and i have talked about this a little bit over the past year chris and i think at one point you might have said to me you know you used to want to blow up every team and that was true during the 2016, 17 season, our first year doing this show together. I wanted to blow up a bunch of teams. I wanted to trade Jimmy Butler from Chicago. I wanted to trade Paul George from Indiana. I wanted to trade DeMarcus cousins from Sacramento. I wanted to blow up a lot of teams, but I look at the league now and I, and I really genuinely have a hard time getting to oh, three. Well, then here, I I'll do. help it's you. Well, hey, let's switch roles. There's two. I, I There's two. Number one, Detroit. And they already started. No, no, are, no, no. But this is the thing. This is the thing with blowing up. How are you going to blow up Detroit? No, yeah, I'm, I'm talking about getting rid of the veteran guys on that team, right? How, like you how, have who's, a, taking, who's taking Blake Griffin? I don't know. People say Nobody. this about every player. They say this about every player, right? It, who's taking no, Ryan Anderson? No, the, I don't know. Somehow, point, the, when there are uh, ticks attached, people end up uh, taking other contracts no, on. This, this was this is like this is the source of our arguments years ago my point with blow it up is trading guys before they lose all value you can't blow up detroit there's nothing to blow up sure there is the first thing you do is they already got rid of reggie jackson they already got rid of drummond and now you get rid of blake yeah, griffin for, for scraps for nothing and drummond they got rid that's of that's what blowing it up they, is if yeah if you want to call it blow it up sure i'm not interested in like just little toys getting blown up. I'm not, I'm talking about big. Well, the other ones that that, that have good players. And because they didn't go full bore with it. The other one is, is Cleveland. I mean, their season became a debacle because they ended up keeping veterans around. And then the veterans turned on beeline 
and you know infected that locker room and so now you've got to try to you know get, find <laughs> you're a, talking about blowing up the worst team in the east there's nothing to blow up but there is stuff to blow up though that's what's holding them back like just go into the dedicate yourself if you're going to be shitty anyway dedicate yourself to the entire rebuild i lived through this once upon a time where people were like, why would the Grizzlies trade Pau Gasol? They sucked anyway. What does it matter? So that's the problem. Why the hell you got Kevin Love on your team? Why the hell you got Tristan Thompson on your team? Why the hell you got, you know, yeah, J.R. Smith until you send him home? Like, you have these guys on your team. Like, move off of that. Even if it means you got to take back some stuff that you don't necessarily want to take. If you are going to commit to it, then commit to it. Don't try to half-ass it. How is it that you're the one proposing to blow up teams down? I'm like, because, hey, I don't got anything. <laughs> no, because I'm talking about two teams that already suck. Those are the ones yeah. that I think you should blow up. You talk about blowing up good teams. Because that's the point. But no, good you're teams about, become you're better. Because you're talking about getting value. That's the whole point no. in blowing it up. No, good you can teams. Look at, you, can look at, you can look at a team like Oklahoma City and say to yourself, Yes, they should probably try to trade Chris Paul, but who's going to trade for him? I think I, they should. Th- I think they should try to trade Chris Paul to the this Knicks. This is the difference between us. They should try I, to trade Stephen Adams. Yes, I augment good teams, i.e., what the Raptors did, i.e., being desirable for Kawhi to even go there in L.A. because they were pretty good. Because you never know that stuff can happen. Yeah, and it can. So don't blow up something good when it can be augmented to maybe be great. And the same way, L.A., you would have professed for them to blow it up being the eight seed because who cares about being the eight seed? But instead, it enabled them to get great players in the offseason. I blow up shitty teams. You blow up good ones. No, no, no. Wait a minute. Yes. What do you – What do you? no. I, I, I'm not – I'm not, honestly not even interested in entertaining this, but I'm not sure what you're saying with L.A. What do you mean? I don't think you and I have the same definition of blow it up because with the Clippers – they were not even a blow it up candidate. I don't even look at the the Cavaliers and say they're a blow it up candidate. The Pistons are a blow it up candidate, but they can't blow it up because nobody's going to bite on Blake or what you get for Blake is just peanuts. The Clippers last season were not a blow it up team. They were a young up and coming team. They were building the right way. It's just about making moves and making good additions. They were not. Well, they're this not is how even, I have changed. You, not, though. Not, you don't only, ever the, say there's no up. good teams. When we no. first started doing this show, you were blowing up good teams. You don't yeah. blow up good teams was, anymore. Who? Indiana? Indiana was a good team, but Paul George is a free agent in two years. That's why I wanted to trade him. No, no, I'm Jimmy, saying now. Jimmy, but- Jimmy Butler was on a Chicago Bulls team, soon to be free agent. Yeah, that's worked and, out well. Yeah, it, it hasn't worked out well. You're right. But 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 how how has it worked for Indiana? No, Better I'm than saying expected. Right how has now, it worked for Sacramento? This is how you Better have than changed. Expected. This is how you have changed. There's not one good team that you look at now and you say would blow up. No, because right now we're in a cycle where these guys aren't near free agency. If no, you ask you me, just if you ask your me, opinion if you ask that. me, if you talk to me in two years, maybe I'll feel differently no, about you have Houston. started to see the value of making the playoffs. No, no, I haven't. It, because there's yes, value have. making the playoffs. You for used to teams. say if you're going to be the seven or eight oh seed, you might as well God. be terrible. It depends on where the team is in their the life argument. cycle. It depends on where the team is in their life cycle. Houston right now has James Harden locked up for four more years. You do not blow it up. Maybe in two years or three years, you think about that. 
You don't think about that now. You don't think about that with so many teams in the postseason right now, which have young guys on new contracts or their rookie deals right now. You look at Toronto with Siakam, just signed them. Boston still has guys on their rookie deals. Miami still has young players. Indiana still has young players or recently signed guys. Philadelphia, guys at the beginning of their deal. Up and down the line, teams right now are in the early contending life cycle. Teams that we are interested or I am interested in blowing up in the 2016-17 season or were towards the end of their life cycle with contention with their star players nearing contention or getting towards a point where that trade demand is coming. My intentions in that, in that season a couple years back were getting ahead of that to maximize value. And right now, you look across the league, there are very few teams that you can even look at and think, oh, this team should trade this guy for sure because you get the Blake Griffin situations in Detroit where the guy has lost value. You get the OKC situations with Chris Paul where almost every team has a point guard and he's making so much money and he's old that it's tough to trade him. Or you get these younger teams that are really, really good that have guys signed for long term or still in their rookie deals. There just aren't a lot of teams right now that you can look at. To answer the original question, I think you look at Portland. I think you look at San Antonio with Aldridge and DeRozan that they perhaps should have done that before the deadline. You look at Oklahoma City. There's still other guys on that team. Gallinari, Steven Adams that you think about perhaps trading, but the value wasn't out there for either of those guys before the deadline this year. So it was more advantageous for them to keep trying to win. But the fact is, is that's something that those three teams to answer the original question should be thinking about. But the fact is, is that there's, there's no team right now that I look at and think it's a no brainer that they blow it up, but we will get there in a year or two. I can't wait. I can't wait. Once upon a time, I have a recording of you saying, who gives a shit about making the playoffs? I, I would still say that. Who gives a shit about making the playoffs? No, but your They're argument you was again. you would rather be a lottery team than to make a BS eight seed and losing four games. And I always describe to you the value of being the eight seed and losing because of the experience that you get, because of your team getting the home playoff games, because you are an entertainment entity that your fans want to watch. The seven, the seventh and eight seeds in the 16-17 season, Indiana, Chicago, Memphis, Portland. The seven and eight season, the 2017-18 season. Milwaukee, there's value. Washington, well, maybe. San Antonio, Minnesota, team in transition there. 2018-19 season, Orlando, Detroit, San Antonio, LA Clippers. Again, another good example there of the value in making it. But again, two of those teams yeah, from the virtually past two seasons. all of them have, been, have become shit for trading their best player after that. O almost all of them. Memphis is the one that has not. Minnesota, shit. Chicago, shit. All those teams. How, how's it turned out for those teams that were those seven and eight seeds? Milwaukee didn't and moved all the way up. And now they're the best team in the league. Here's here's the thing. It's interesting. I love that you named those off. Okay, let's just talk about Chicago for a second here. When it comes to wanting to make a trade or thinking that it, it would be a smart decision to make a trade, that does not mean that, that the, the decision that that team will make will end up being a good one. And I understand this may come off as some cop-out answer, but at the time when that deal happened, when, on the night of the draft, I gave the Lowry and pick an F plus because of the trade being what I thought was poor value. 
the idea of trading Jimmy Butler was a good one. I don't like the trade that they ended up making in that draft. And I think I look back at that and Laurie has been really, really up and down. I still think it's absolutely insane that Chicago gave up a first round pick, but the idea of trading Jimmy Butler was correct. It's just, it hasn't worked out in the deal that they made. Wasn't the type of deal that you maybe that they could have gotten out there from some other teams that were making offers. So that's the way I feel. But the Indiana deal, when they and, made that, no, that's where we break. One, one I don't thing. believe trading one of the best players in the league in their prime. Okay, is or wise. just let them, or let them walk for nothing. Like you literally root for a team that just traded Mike Conley and Marcus Soul and is having one of the funnest seasons it's had. And you can tell me that it's because they lucked out one lottery, and that's partially true. But it's also partially. partially it is partially true, it's but they also traded. But they also traded. The they also traded those guys and got worse and got assets back in return. Bro, let me tell you something. They suck if they conveyed their pick to Boston like they were supposed to last year. Instead of conveying their pick and not having that pick, they ended up with friggin' John Morant. Yep. Like yep. Because, it's not because partly. because 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 there's higher value with having high draft picks. They didn't have a high draft pick. Well, they did. They had the number two pick in the draft. They won the lottery, but Bro. there's higher, there's higher value in having, do you know what their let me, odds let me, were? Let me rephrase. Let me rephrase. Oh yes. God. Their odds were pretty good because of the new draft lottery odds. Your odds are better. You oh don't need to God. tank as much. And they, also one, one other thing I want to hit. They won 30 something really, games. One other, one other thing I want to hit. One other thing. Part of the reason again for in those early years for us doing the show, the 2017 draft, the 2018 draft, the 2019 draft were all, all had guys that you would want to tank for or guys that were higher value this year's draft. I don't feel as strongly about, I don't think that there's, there's that guy that you necessarily want to tank for this in this year's draft. You might end up with the number one pick and you're signing a rookie. That's going to make $10 million in his first year because of the rookie scale contracts. And you might, you may have a poor value rookie young player immediately. It may be better in this year's draft to end up having the eighth pick or the ninth pick or the 17th pick. Every single draft class is different and that's all part of the evaluation process. So you can look at it the way you want to with me saying teams should blow it up, or you can look at it the way I'm looking at it and looking at a team in their life cycle and what the actual other alternative options are. It's not A or B. There's so much to it in terms of evaluating whether a team should pull the plug on trading really, really, really good players. It depends on so much. It's not just, oh, a team's the sixth seed. Oh, they're not good enough. No, it's not that. It's way more than that. All right. Well, as soon as you could find the team that blew it up and it worked out great for them in the last 10 years, by all means, because I suppose you're, you're you're the shining example for all of you paper basketball fans is the is the Sixers paper and the Sixers and the Sixers are oh sixty huh it's a good thing they lost seven hundred games. W- would you say what the Celtics did in 2013 was blowing it up, trading Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett? No. And would you and you wouldn't say that's blowing? Why is why is that not blowing it up? Did even 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 our boss Bill Simmons hated that trade? I mean, that so was at the Ce- end. So many was- Celtics fans hated that trade. They they're like, let's go, let's make another run, let's make another run. That's what people were saying. That's not blowing. That's not blowing it up. But trading Blake Griffin on his broken knees is blowing it up. Come on, be serious. No, no, be no. Serious, I'm Chris. saying if you already suck, 
than just suck completely. They they didn't. Oh, okay, right. All right. Like I said, we have different definitions. Did the Celtics ever suck? All right, let's move on to other better questions, Bobby. Uh, Bobby, I'm ready for the next one. All right, now that we went 15 <laughs> minutes on one question. <laughs> Uh, let's do something that you guys can't possibly argue about. This comes from Sahan. Uh, they ask, can you guys talk a bit about your past and how, uh, and how life as a sports analyst came about? All right, I'll go quick. Um, I went to college uh, in a, a small town in Tennessee where my family, my parents were from. I, um, I went there and it was a small enough school that I guess my sophomore year, I became interested. I took a media class, uh, like a sports reporting class, and I liked it. And then I went and I did it uh, on, they had like, you know, you you would be on camera, like doing like, uh, uh, you know, they, they had all the setup, like TV and radio there. And so I called basketball games for the college basketball team. And then I did the TV stuff. And then I did my own TV show uh, at the college for the college uh, campus station, whatever. Um, I like doing that a lot. And then I interned twice in the summer. I interned at a sports radio station in St. Louis, and I interned for a minor league baseball team, which I absolutely, in media relations, and I hated it. And I, um, I then got out of college. The closest big city was Memphis, which is where I still live. And I got a job out of college at the local sports radio station just working behind the board, doing anything they would ask me to do. I mean, if it was high school football games that I had to go do remotes for, whatever. Um, you know, minimum wage gig. And then I basically, like, the long the long story short is I worked my way up. I started doing, uh, they let me do shows on the weekend where I could kind of practice and be terrible. And then I moved to being a co-host and then... Got my own show. God, I don't know. Like I, a long ass time ago. Um, and then I've been in radio for I guess twenty years. So that was it. Yeah, uh, that's how I, that's how I got the gigs. And then obviously I had uh, the the Grizzlies came to Memphis the year after I moved, and so I looked around in the landscape of what was going on in the city, and there was. There was people that did SEC football. There's people that were the Tigers guy. There was a guy that was the history guy. There was guy, but I knew from that point, like no one could ever say they went to more Grizzly stuff or were at, uh, you know, like, nobody had an advantage when it came to that. I was never going to be able to match all the reference points that people had for so many different sports things that had gone on, uh, and so I just dove in and started covering the NBA. Uh, whenever that was. And then I think everything's pretty well come from that. And then, you know, to be honest, almost everything's come from that. The The reason I'm at the ringer, I think, to this day is because I met Bill uh, during the Western Conference Finals. He was working for ABC, him and Jalen. And I was buddies with Zach Lowe. And I was with Zach. And then through him, I met uh, Bill and Jalen, and then I had communicated with Bill throughout the years, and he would come on my local radio show and whatnot, and and then once upon a time he, you know, talked to me about doing this, and so that's how I got here. I was a psychology major in college, and I had a communications minor, and I noticed at my college that you only had to take like three more classes in 
communication communications to get the major so i was like ah, <laughs> why, 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 <laughs> why not use those as like my elective classes to get enough credits for the the final term you know and i was i didn't know really what i wanted to do i think my whole life i've always i've always had interest in working in sports when i was a teenager i was like oh maybe it would be cool to be a sports agent or something like that and you know maybe it maybe it would be cool to to work for a team or or work for a website or something like that and i just never i never really ever knew the path to get there you know and then i um over the summer of uh 2012 i um i there was like this little contest that Tommy Curran uh, of NBC Sports Boston, a longtime Patriots writer, uh, unbelievable beat writer. Uh, Bill Simmons has had him on his podcast. Great guy, great analyst. He's he's the best. He had like this little contest where you answer a question, you get to go to this Patriots talk event um, where he would be at and other Boston sports media personalities would be at. So I entered that and I answered correctly and got to go to that with my dad. And that was at August in August 2012. And there there's some people from uh, NBC Sports Boston who were like, I asked around, like, hey, do you have like job opportunities? How do I get an internship? And they're like, oh, you just applied our website. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I applied on the website and did an uh, interview there with Maury Levine, who um, I remember. I remember during that interview, it was questions like, name the Boston Red Sox starting lineup. Can you name the the Patriots offensive lineman? And like, I'm like, just nailing it. Uh, I'm thinking to myself, like, wait a minute, this is an interview. I feel like I'm having a, you know, a, a, this doesn't feel like an interview at all. And I got the interview. Um, Maury made a joke. He's like, your, your pay is going to be <laughs> like a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> I'm like, what? He's like, no, actually it's unpaid. <laughs> <laughs> and this is before like, they, ha- they, ha- they pay their interns now for what it's worth. But, um, I was so happy to do it. Uh, it didn't matter to me. I mean, I was living at home at the time and which I'm thankful about that, that having that cushion was able to allow me to take an unpaid internship and busted my ass there. And then someone there, Andy Levine at the, towards the end of my internship, uh, it was around this time, seven years ago, March like 27th or something like that. No, March 26th, seven years ago. And he's like, so what are you going to do after this internship is over? And I was like, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'd like to work for, for you guys. And he's like, well, we don't hire people that are, that just finished up their internships. And so he's like, so what are you going to do? I mean, and I was like, I don't know. <laughs> you tell me, I, I didn't really know. And he sort of, he sort of made that path clear in that conversation. He said, well, do you like to do video or writing more? And I told him I like to do writing more. And he's like, okay, well then why don't you apply to write for, a blog. Do you like doing Celtics or Patriots more? And I said either, but probably Celtics because I feel like my I'm better able to analyze basketball than I am football. And even you know, even though I really love football too. And he said, okay, then apply to write for CelticsBlog.com from SB Nation. And I was like, wait a minute, Celtics Blog. I've read that site for a long time now. Isn't that a real website? He's like, no. <laughs> it's people like your age who, who blog on that site and people who do it for fun. And so I applied and got that and. And then from there, just things sort of snowballed and eventually the ringer ringer Chris Ryan contacted me and a lot of opportunities before that kind of led to Chris contacting me because of my draft guide that I did for three straight years um, by myself. And they liked that and they gave me an opportunity and here we are. I mean, it's 
it's pretty wild. It's it all none of it feels real really, but um I'm just thankful for all the opportunities and the people along the way, the great connections that I've met um that have sort of led to led to this us talking right now, Chris. What you got, Bobby? All right, I really like this one. This one comes from Ben. It's uh what are your pickup hoops NBA comparisons for yourselves and who are your favorite role players of all time? I guess he's insinuating that you guys would be role players and pick up hoops. That's hurt. That hurts, Ben. I, I would, I would be a, a bench warmer still. I'm not good at basketball. I'm not. I hustle. I, I play hard. Um, I box out. I set screens. The problem is, is that, you know, I, I just, I don't have a good jump shot. I don't have good handles. I used to have a good, sh- good jump shot. Like when I was in seventh grade and then it fell apart. Um, I think I would compare myself to like a Glenn Davis. Big baby, big baby Glenn Davis, something like I'm that. gonna yeah. I will go on the I will I will go role player front. Um and it's gonna make you laugh. Mm-hmm. It it would be like um Eddie House. That's You're a, a that's a, that's a throwback. A oh yeah, I would and I'm and I'm going to take them. Like if they are really? available, huh. I'm not passing them up. Yes. I used to I used to love Eddie House. I, I would say like Eddie House, like any of those guys that would just come off and like you know they're shooting it when they when they get it. It's not like I'm not gonna pass, but if I'm open, I'm going to shoot it. Um and, it, and we picked two two NBA champions from the same team, the 0708 Celtics. Oh yeah. Well much <laughs> mu- much like Eddie House, I might make five in a row, but I might miss all five in a row. So you're either gonna love me or you're gonna hate me dependent upon that um role players how about this another one from that team kevin tony allen and uh and and shane battier are my two favorite <laughs> role players of all time in the nba it's not even close i got to know both of them personally over the years i i i, I like them as people i love them as players those are my kind of guys um so battier and and, and ta for sure i'm not sure he counts as a role player but uh, he's definitely not a great player or, or even good player but i used to i used to love watching ricky davis <laughs> <laughs> i used to love watching him with with boston and minnesota though and then la right at the end of his career granted he wasn't really playing as much then but uh, those boston and minnesota years i really really loved watching uh ricky davis and before that i think he was in cleveland the year before boston if i remember correctly uh, so that stretch of time i just loved watching ricky davis score <laughs> it was a lot of fun yeah ricky davis there you go all right kevin i got a question for you you said your jump shot fell apart after seventh grade do you think maybe you should have switched hands <laughs> that's the thing he shoots with the wrong hand uh, no nah, i'm just playing all right uh let's do a couple pop culture questions so a lot of people ask for music recommendations from both of you guys i'm gonna tell you this I, i'm 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 gonna shock you i think with something uh the album that i think over the course of the last month i've probably like just turned on and listened to all the way through the the most amount of times is I think this is going to shock people. Halsey, it is wow. awesome, great. Her this one that came out like maybe a month ago. It is great, and it is it is a different experience to listen to it all the way through. But she is one hell of a songwriter. I was shocked at how much I loved this thing. I think this album is great, great. So a Halsey one. Which I just came across because wow. it, it was a big, you know, it was a it, obviously she's she's mega famous. I turned it on one day and started listening to it. Um, 
And it like it kept on playing all the way through. And the whole thing is so damn good. It is. She's great. I have um, not heard her new album yet. I, I, I love it. it. On my, I have it on my list to check out. I love it. Uh, uh, you're right. She is very talented. And I'm going to give a shout out to some guys that listen to us who I do know. Um, a, a Memphis band who's got, they're, they're, they've gotten bigger and bigger. Like they, uh, Taylor Swift's got her on their, like her Spotify list. And like they, they're starting to get some love. The band Camino. Um, and a couple of their guys are big Ringer NBA show guys. Uh, and they are, they're kind of like, uh, like I like these bands that are kind of doing like the 80s sound throwback. Like you could turn it on. It kind of sounds like a, like AHA or Peter Gabriel or that kind of stuff. Like kind of like how the 1975 does. Um, Cause I like the 1975 a lot too, but the band Camino, I've listened to that a lot. They've got one album out that's come out and I like it uh, quite a bit because I like, it's like harmony and melody, which is always good, but it's kind of got that 80s sound. So it's just something different than what I'm, than what I'm used to uh, normally. Do you like country, Chris? I do. So one album that I would recommend for you, is from Jonathan Wilson. All right. The album, the album Dixie Blur. Uh, Jonathan Wilson is this outstanding musician um, who's toured with multiple bands over the years, including Roger Waters from Pink Floyd. And his album in 2018, Rare Birds, is one of my favorite albums of that year. And this year, Dixie Blur is really low key, you know, softer rock with country vibes. And that's when one, been one of my real favorite albums to listen through start to finish this year um uh, i think in terms of singles that have come out not full albums yet they've been on the show before my buddies in the band mount joy mount joy has released i think four or five singles off their upcoming album later this year and each of them have been really 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 strong i think for mount joy like this is gonna be a step forward for them in terms of like gaining new fans around the world like their first album self uh, self-titled mount joy is awesome and that's something to listen to from start to finish and of the new songs i think strangers is worth like really starting out with or or rearrange us or every holiday those three tracks are really good you might like those too chris i mean like those those like ha- i mean it's not country but like it's good it's good indie rock um so you might enjoy them it's funny because you brought up the country thing. My favorite guy that I've heard like over the last six months to a year is this guy named Coulter Wall. Coulter Wall. He sounds like a, you know, almost like a like a Johnny Cash type of thing. And his voice is crazy. I heard his, I heard this guy, Coulter Wall, and I loved it. And I went and looked him up, and he's like in his 20s. So he's 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 uh in my same wow. vein. He sounds nothing like he looks, <laughs> and he um he's in his young twenties. He's from Canada too, and he's gonna end up becoming really big. He is great. J- just gonna rattle off a couple other songs that I have right. in my my twenty twenty best of playlist. Um, the song Marbles by the band Snarls. Um, the song Headaches by Ravina. Uh, the the new Wild Nothing album is really good. Uh, the new Jason or a song called A Thousand Words is really good. She had, she released an album last year um, that is fantastic. Anik Anik Co that you got to check out. Uh, King Princess her album last year, Cheap Queen. I don't love the album through, but there are some real highlights on that album, like the song Profit, um, Post Animal, 
just released a an album that's really really strong called forward motion goddessy and my favorite song off that album is how do you feel uh that that album's outstanding there's, there's a there that there's a moment in that song that reminds me so much in fact i would be shocked if it weren't inspired by uh, a moment in the song echoes by pink floyd it's kind of a jam session of a uh, jam section of the song it's it's, it's fantastic great song great album uh, a lot of good music out there this year uh perfume genius yeji um best coasts i mean there's just so much out there right now i, th- I think it's a, I, I, I think it's it's a really good time for music I think. you you are at home at the ringer aren't you it, it, yeah, you I mean, are at you, you i mean i never heard of any of these people i don't know i mean i don't know i i, I I'm sure you don't li- you don't some, listen some to like haven't, but like popular music, look, right? I, look, I mean, here's the thing. I, th- I feel like there was a time in my life when I was a real classic rock snob. All I listened to was Jimi Hendrix and Pink Floyd, and I used to think modern music sucked. And I look back at, at that time, and I hear other people say that, and I would say that without really even giving a listen to modern music or i wasn't even looking at a form i wasn't looking for new music but i think i think it's great to there's nothing better than finding something new right like when you're a kid everything's new mm. everything's exciting but as you get older things become regular and the days you know start to fall into a loop but it's really fun to discover new music that you really enjoy. One, and, one, and, 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 yeah, and I've I've really found enjoyment in finding new finding new stuff, whether it's from recommendations from friends or coworkers like Matt James and Corey McConnell. There's so many you know people like super super into music. My friend Sean Yu uh, from The Ringer, like always dropping stuff in our chat rooms and or looking on Reddit or whatever. It's um it's uh, fun to to get that enjoyment of finding new music. Well, I also this morning on my way, I listened to the weekend's new album that came out last night. He's very famous. Um, I love him. I think he is great. I do. Yeah, I, I love I the weekend. That. Oh, it's great. He's always just torn up over something. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And and like uh, those some of those singles that he's put out right now. I mean, those would be a hit. From the 70s, anytime if that song came, that Blinding Light song, that song could have come out anytime in the last 40 years and it'd have been a hit. He, he's got some bangers. Man, so good. It's good. I like him. Today's episode of the Ringer NBA Show is brought to you by Microsoft Teams. Hey, NBA Show fans, we all know meetings. Struggling to pay attention? Files seem impossible to find? Luckily, there's a solution for all the meeting-related issues that we constantly complain about. Welcome to the new slam dunk to work together, Microsoft Teams. Using Microsoft Teams is one play that's guaranteed to work every time. Chat with coworkers so you're never out of the loop. Find all your files and even edit them in real time in one convenient place. The greatest NBA teams have mastered the art of communication and organization. When you're ready to unleash the power of your team, open teams because meetings of the past are for rookies right learn more about how to improve your work efficiency at microsoft.com slash teams that's microsoft.com slash teams all right what else you got all right let's rapid fire a few real quick right here all right eric asks who ends their bucks or bucks careers so bucks with a cs and bucks with a cks Careers with more titles, Tom Brady or Giannis? 
oh, well, this has to be, like, look, the, the, the best guess. They probably both end up with zero if we're playing the odds. <laughs> I mean, if we're Shots playing the fired. odds here. If we're playing the odds here, but Giannis is the answer. Yeah, Giannis if you're playing the odds. Come on. In, real- in reality, of course, it's Tom Brady. Uh, I mean, <laughs> he, what's the maximum he could win? Probably one or two. I would say max is three for Tom Brady. What? Oh, my three? God. Jesus. Come on, Kev. Why? Come on. Peyton Manning. <laughs> Did you see the last Super Bowl he won? He won because of defense. The Bucks have a great t- defense? I'm not, I'm not yeah, saying. Yeah. Who, who, no, who? they don't. No, they oh, don't. Okay. You're just, uh, we're speaking in theoreticals. No, we're not. We're t- we know what it- team he's playing for. <laughs> <laughs> we're not talking about him I'm on a mystery saying, team. I'm not like, saying. Like, we know who he's, he's playing for. I'm not saying he's going to win three schools. I'm saying you asked, what's the max? Three. Okay. Three more years. Okay. I mean, in, in all I know, he, oh, he wins three in a row. Yeah. <laughs> 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 in, in all in all likelihood, he just wins one more, and that's it. In all likelihood, in all likelihood, <laughs> no, 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 he I'm doesn't say, win say, anymore. No, uh, I'm I'm saying, if you're talking maximum, like if there's one, if there is one more, you said one or two. I'm saying three's the max, but in all likelihood, it would just be one more, if any. No, you hey, you probably should have switched that, Bobby, and asked uh, who will win more, um, uh, uh, Giannis or. Uh, Jarrett Stidham. <laughs> Would it be hilarious if Jarrett Stidham is like absolutely unbelievable? And then okay. every and, and then and and Tom Brady stinks in Tampa and everybody's like, wild. oh my God, it was Belichick. Uh, that would be wild. I hope that, that doesn't happen. It will not. It yeah. will not happen. Don't worry. I don't, I don't think it will. Tommy's still gonna be put up put up big numbers. All right. Uh next up, Ryan asks, he asks specifically for Chris, but I this I think this applies to both of you guys. He wants to know if you were to ever leave Memphis, what's a city you'd like to try living in? And I guess Kev, what's a city you want to live in that you've never lived in before? All right, I've lived in three. I I grew up in New York. My father, uh, we moved because of his job to St. Louis when I was in fourth grade. And then I lived in St. Louis until I went to college, and I've lived in Tennessee forever now. Um I actually, you know, this ties back into the job thing. Um, I did go through the phase where I I was offered to move many, many, many times. Um, And I saw the internet exploding and I thought, you know what? I like where I am. I like it. Uh, I like where I am. I love the city. I love that the NBA is here. I'm comfortable. And the internet is going to make it so that I, I don't have to live in a big market. When I first was coming up, you had to live in a New York, Chicago, L.A., one of these. Uh, but I do think the Internet made the world a smaller place. Uh, if I ever had to move, if I ever had to, it would be somewhere where it's sunny all the time, where I where the weather's always great. So I mean, you're talking like, like Southern California, maybe? Yeah, like I, I tell you this, the the prettiest place I've ever visited was San Diego. It was unbelievable. My God. I remember leaving there being like, I, I can't even believe that's, it almost didn't even feel like reality. This is how long ago this was too. It was the friggin' Bucks Raiders Super Bowl. I covered that Super Bowl. What year is that? That's a, jeez. John that Gruden. Was, that John was Gruden. Oh, that was the 0203 season, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I was, I was there. I was there for in San Diego that week. 
and every day, I mean, that is friggin' what, January, February? Every day I woke up, I walked out on the porch in my room. Uh, you know, there was like a balcony in the room, and I'd walk out there, and it's like, people didn't even have shoes. Like, they didn't, there were people that didn't even own shoes there. Like, they, all they owned was flip-flops. And I'm like, what a world. I mean, then you fly back home, it was two degrees. And I don't even, I live in the south. I don't even live in the northeast. So it'd be somewhere where it's sunny all the time. I mean, so I, I'm between Los Angeles, California, where I moved to in 2018, and Massachusetts, Brockton, Massachusetts, where I grew up and where my mom still lives. And so I'm here now in Massachusetts. I would, I mean, I haven't been to San Diego yet. I want to do a road trip there with some friends whenever the, all this you know goes away what's happening now um san diego would theoretically be on that list i think somewhere in arizona i really like arizona it's has the beautiful weather it's still close proximity to a lot of places that would be on the list too i think new york would be on it just because it's a great city it's an amazing city but i'm i really love it there but i'm not sure i'd want to live there um I, I would like to try it out though. I'd like to see what it's like. Uh, but I don't but right now I don't see myself ever leaving Los Angeles. I, I really love it there. Yeah. I could do it. I could do New York. I love it. But I love I've it but too. I've got like I, I, I love New York. I've got like severe like ADD, right? So like the it's just the action, man. i just I just feel like I'm in the middle of it all that's yeah. going on, you know? It's a it's a good feeling. I mean, New York, I mean, look, I love Los Angeles. But one thing New York has that LA doesn't, it, New York feels like there's like a beating heart. It feels yeah, like it's a, a living, breathing that's city. A, that's and right. that, that's unlike anywhere else I've yet to be. And I'm not super well-traveled. I've only been out of the country twice to Toronto for the NBA finals and once to Montreal with a trip for a trip with friends years ago. I'm not well-traveled. But New York is unlike anywhere else that I've visited in terms of just that living, it felt like a living, breathing organism. And by the way, they don't even have any sports left in San Diego. That's a tough one for me. They got the that'd Padres. Be like, that'd be like after I retire. Like, <laughs> hey, 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 baseball with me sitting right hey, here. Hey, Come on. hey, hey, like I said, Bob, like I said, Bobby. Aw. All right. <laughs> wow. Jeez. The Padres are actually I mean, good. Come on. Let's get serious. They're 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 an up and coming team. They're the bright yeah, future well, sons of the MLB. That, look, <laughs> when your highest selling jersey is still Tony Gwynn, you got an issue. <laughs> Verno, Verno would want to blow him up. I, I don't even <laughs> the, Chris, Chris Vernon just wants to blow up baseball <laughs> <laughs> Blow it up baseball Alright, uh, any more rapid fires? Yeah, yeah, one real quick one And then we'll do a couple more And then we gotta get out of here uh, Last right. rapid fire one from Levi What is the most memorable performance by a player You've ever seen in person? Oh, I got Alright, I got three Number one, and it's by a wide, wide margin Is 2011 uh, Playoffs the first time the Spurs were declared dead forever, when the eight seed Grizzlies knocked them off, and in Game Six, Zach Randolph had thirty-one points. He had seventeen in the fourth quarter, and became absolutely, positively unguardable. And I have never been in an arena like that in my life. I probably never will. And they won the series, and people were cheering as the first time that they had won a series. He was out of control, great. And people were chanting Zebo Zebo throughout the hallways of the of the arena. That one, weirdly, a college basketball performance. I was there the night it was De'Aaron Fox versus Lonzo Ball. And De'Aaron Fox scored 39 
And I've never seen anything like that in a college game, ever. It was, I mean, high stakes. It was a Sweet 16 game. And it was the matchup, Fox versus Lonzo. And Fox just annihilated him. It was unbelievable. And then uh, the other one that I would mention is actually a boxing match. I saw Roy Jones Jr. get knocked out by, wow. Glenn, by Glenn Johnson. And I, it was one of the most shocking things I ever saw. Yeah, I know he had already lost Antonio Tarver, but it was just everybody thought that that was just a lucky punch. But Glenn Johnson was a literal nobody and knocked him out. And it was the uh, it was one of the craziest things I ever saw. First one that comes to mind for me is Isaiah Thomas scoring 53 points in the 2017 NBA playoffs against the Wizards. Um, that was shortly after his sister had passed away. Um, he had lost a tooth. He had been dealing with injury at the time. Uh, just everything leading up to that game, like whether he would even be able to play after having surgery. Um, like I said, dent- dental surgery after his sister passes away, playing with pain, and then he just carries the team on the back the way he did. It was an emotional game for all those reasons. And um, I'll just never forget the feeling in that crowd, just how loud it was. I, ca- I can't imagine what the decibel levels was in the crowd that night, but it was a very emotional experience. And uh, that's something I'll, I'll, I'll never forget. And just two more quick ones. Game one of the 2018 NBA finals when LeBron James scored 51 points and the Cavaliers lost. Uh, that was the game with the, the J.R. Smith meme. Um, when James, oh, yeah, that yeah, was that, that game. Yep. Le- that, that LeBron game. It w- it felt like it was him versus them. Yeah, and he was it, and he was up to it. Yeah, it was w- w- one of the most unbelievable performances I'll I'll ever see in my life. And then since you picked a non non basketball one, that this made this come to mind. It's not an individual player, more so just a a moment. I was at the game in April t- two thousand seven when the Red Sox hit four home runs in a row against the New York Yankees. And uh, <laughs> it, it, I mean, I was there with my dad, and it, every like every single time there's the home run, the crowd got progressively louder. It was Manny Ramirez, JD Drew, Mike Lowell, and then Jason Veritek. And the crowd after the Veritek home run just blew up. It was insane in Fenway Park, uh, and I'll, I'll just never forget that moment because that was really sort of at the peak of the Red Sox Yankees rivalry, which is still obviously and always going to be a thing, but, but it's not, I don't think it's quite as strong as it was from Oh two through Oh eight Oh nine. That, that was a, a really amazing time to be a baseball fan for, especially a fan of the Red Sox or Yankees. All right, Bobby, get to the last couple of these and then we will, uh, we'll certainly continue this oh, next yeah. week because we, we got hundreds, we got so of, many hundreds of questions. Uh, well, so we got- many. Yeah, we got a bunch of good ones still uh, to get to. So yeah, I'm looking forward to continuing next week. Let's do, uh, let's do another NBA one. Let's do what is your favorite personal NBA alternate history or sliding doors moment? So this this comes from Nicholas. Bill Simmons has talked a lot about the sliding doors moments. What do you guys have specific ones that you think are the most impactful or your personal favorites? One that comes to mind, like maybe it's just because we mentioned him, but I, I wonder in an alternate universe what happens if. LeBron never leaves Cleveland from Miami. What if he's, what if he goes the route where he's like, I'm staying in Cleveland my whole career. Do they ever build a championship team around him? Do they ever get the assets to add the guys or do they continue being like right on the cusp? But we're looking back at LeBron now as a guy with like just one championship, or maybe does he have no championships? 
I guess that's something I look back at. And I just wonder if LeBron ended up being one of those lifers, like a, like we've seen with others, Duncan, Kobe, and Dirk. What if LeBron had done gone that path? How different would his career look and how different would we assess him as one of the greatest players of all time? I mean, the first one when I read this, the first one that came to my mind is if Jordan doesn't leave. So similar to me then. We're talking about two of the greatest athletes. Yeah. If, yeah. if he does it, what if the baseball thing never happens? Do they win all of them? Do they, <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying? Does he, does he yeah. just get, lose his mind and go so fed up after the next one? And so those next three never happen? Right, because he had like talked about retirement. He's ready to walk away. He had the dad thing going on. He wanted to play baseball. Like, what if that never? What if he never walked off? What would have happened? Because we do consider him, you know, in most courts the greatest of all time. And it's like there is this odd, you know, interlude, you know, in his career. Do they win the last three? Does he end up winning six? Like if he ne- like if that just never happened, if this they, they went on to the next season like normal, uh, who knows? It, I mean, obviously NBA history, it would not have been the same. I think we would, no matter what we think, it would not have been the same. And the the question is, does he leave there because he's so sick of it and he can't take it anymore? Does he win both of those, and so then he's got eight? Um. I don't know. You know what I mean? One more that, that comes to mind uh, since we just talked about him a little bit earlier is what if the Clippers never blow it up and trade DeAndre Jordan and Blake Griffin before like fans are really ready to do that? What happens? Like, Does that mean Kawhi Leonard doesn't end up with the Clippers? Does that mean Paul George doesn't end up with the Clippers? Where are those guys? What do the Clippers look like now? They don't have Shea Gildas Alexander. Are they still a bottom-feeding team if they don't make those trades? Are they stuck with DJ and Blake Griffin? That's one team I look at that's sort of right there at the top of the league with the Bucks and the Lakers right there in championship contention for the next couple of years now. Where are they if they don't make that very difficult decision in trading Blake Griffin months after re-signing him to a new deal? What Where do they look like? Is Chris Paul still there? I don't know. No. I mean, he's not, right? He was already gone. I don't gone. think so. Yeah, he was already gone. Paul is the one. Paul is the one to me. That trade was in 2017 season, correct? No, but that, but that's the one. If he... If he's still there and he's, you know, I mean, obviously he was fantastic and won a lot with the Rockets and then he's been fantastic and he's won with the Oklahoma City, right? What if they just hold on to him the whole time? Chris Paul was traded the, the 2017 summer. Blake Griffin was re-signed the 2017 summer yeah. and traded before the 2018 deadline. Yeah, well, Paul's the linchpin to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, if he never goes and plays in Houston, does... What happens with Harden? What happens with all of it? And truth, and truth be told, how about this? That's the ultimate one. That whole Paul going once upon a time to the Lakers, which was nixed. Sure. I mean. Yeah, that's a big one. I mean, what is the world like then? And 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 I guess Gasol was going to Houston and all that stuff that got, you know, that David Stern stepped in when he was running the Hornets and nixed. Um, it's still pretty wild in hindsight that that actually happened. Oh, incredible. Because it, it wasn't it wasn't a bad deal. You know, worse trades have been approved. Well, the other thing is it's like, you know, typically your owner is the one that steps in and says, What the hell are you talking about? 
No, we are not doing that. And in this case, it happened to be the commissioner of the NBA <laughs> that was playing the role of the owner. And no, no. What is wrong with you? We are not doing that. And so the commissioner acting as if he is an owner of one of the NBA franchises and then saying that trade sucked, we're not doing it, is truly unbelievable. There should be a 30 for 30 on that. You know Daryl would love to be a part of it. Oh, I'm sure. Yep. All right, any more, Bobby? Yeah, let's do one final question. Let's do some life advice for Jeff. He writes, Chris, you're married with kids, which is what I dream to have in my life. And Kevin, you're young and single like me. I'm 26 and want to meet someone. How am I supposed to do that with these lockdowns lasting for months or even possibly a year? The internet! (laughs) What are we talking about? He says, do I have to resort to online dating? Yes! What? what, what? You know, yeah, I, I, I think... I think yes, but to to answer your question, I mean, I I was thinking about this the past week because I wonder if some connections will be stronger going into that first date now. If somebody if somebody connects on right. Tinder or Instagram, if someone has a little bit of a spark and a connection through whatever their initial conversation is, but they don't want to meet because they can't. I, I wonder if maybe going into that first date, it's going to be a little bit different for, for those people instead of like just meeting one night, then going to get drinks like hours later. This is um, where I get to become you know? the old guy. And you guys will love this. Does this Be- give a better foundation, Chris? I, I believe it can certainly because of the conversations that you can have. And you have access to talk to people that you would never have talked to prior to. This is where I get to become the old guy. You know, we used to have to go meet girls. That's he had to do. You had to go meet the girls. In person, like, and then impress them or make them laugh or whatever it may be. If you were interested in them, hit it off with them and go out. Like, you can, you can meet people online now. Like, and there are all manner of sites in order to be matched up with people online. Um, ones that you can type in, here's what I like. Here's where, here are my interests. Here, whatever. Like these, they, they give you like tests now on some of these. Um, and yeah, they try but, to match you up with people. But still, despite all, like it is better for initially meeting people. But I think Jeff, to Jeff's point in the original question, he in all likelihood must feel more comfortable meeting in person exactly as you're just descri- describing. It is a more organic experience. And I think with online dating, with online dating, sometimes it can feel more artificial. But I would say this, you know, my first girlfriend was a long distance relationship. And we were friends online for like three four years and you know we met in real life for a week i broke up with her shortly after that like months after that just you know just sort of fizzled out but you know i I think dating online doing long distance can be difficult but it is doable and i think you know talking to someone online if this if this theoretically is a worst case scenario and this lasts for like 14 months I don't I don't think it's necessarily a, a bad thing for people to be chatting for that amount of time and then meeting afterwards. Or if like you both get tested and neither of you have it, you're able to do a road trip and meet each other or whatever. I don't think I don't think this precludes you from meeting people, whether it's long distance or whether it's somebody in your town, because it's kind of it's nice to to chat. You can FaceTime now. You know what I mean? Like there's well, plus you got so, easy, so many ways. You got a, like a super easy icebreaker, right? Like, man, this is crazy, huh? 
Wow, you, you get some real game. One of my friends texted me um, his line, <laughs> which I don't. It's definitely not working. But uh, I've been asking every girl if they want to get quarantined together. I've been saying people out here are catching coronavirus, but I'm just catching feelings for you. Oh my god, <laughs> it's so bad. It's so bad. Boo. That's why y'all are texting each other. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> That is not gonna work. So to Jeff, I don't, don't know. do that. I don't, I don't know. know. I mean, it's it's like a dad joke, you know. But yeah, it's kind of funny. I think that would be fun. I, I I think you would probably want the kind of girl that would laugh about that. Yeah, I think so too. Even though it's Bobby, so, it's Bob, so Bob, even though Bobby booed. Yeah, I mean, it's so because <laughs> it, it's so over the top corny, man. It is over the top corny. But here's the thing. I think this is the thing, right? You want to meet somebody who you don't have to like change the fundamentals of who you are. There's always compromise in a relationship, but if you feel like you get to be somebody different than you are with a person, then that person's just not for you. There you go. They're just not for you. That's something I've sort of realized over the years. And granted, I don't, I definitely don't have the most extensive dating experience, but you know, there's just certain relationships or people you meet where I'm like, I don't feel like I can be my total self. And I mean, look, you know, you virtually become an with the amount of hours you spent watching The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, you're virtually an expert. No, I mean, I'll say this about <laughs> Bachelor and Bachelorette. I'm always shocked watching these dating shows, the amount of people who are like, oh my God, he's so open and vulnerable with me. And I'm like, wait a minute, is it unusual for somebody not to be open about their feelings and the way they feel and the way they think about stuff in the world or about themselves or what their relationship is. And the answer is yes, people usually are closed off. And, and I guess, I mean, as somebody who like, I've, you know, let my whole life out there the past year, you know, with family stuff, I, I've just always been surprised by the amount of people on those shows who are really in shock, um, by how people you know, on date when it comes to dating aren't open at all. Um, but you know, I guess it's understandable cause it is, it is scary. Obviously, it's scary to, you know, give yourself to somebody. What, what, when was it, Chris, that you feel like you found somebody like with your wife? Like when what was a moment or a date or a time where you guys were like or you, were, you personally were like, wow, this could be this could be the real deal here. My story is odd. So I met my wife at church camp when we were kids. You know, I mean, I had a crush on her at camp and we did not like, I mean, we'd see each other, you know, maybe once in the summer or something like that. But then after I got out of college and everything, I moved to Memphis and I remembered she was from here and I caught up with her. And then I, every once in a while, like out and about, I'd see her here and there, but I was, uh, you know, I was in a relationship. She was in a relationship. Um, and then as time went on, I ran into her again, um, years down the road. I guess uh, we started going out, you know, I mean, I felt like I had known her so long. Um, and obviously we were both kind of, both of us had been in serious relationships prior to, neither of us had ever gotten married. We both been in serious relationships, whatever. And it just, I don't know, it was easy right off the bat. You know, I do think that as you go through relationships, you kind of figure out, you know, how you act towards a significant other. Right. Um, and so and things you can get away with, things you can't get away with. And so by the time we were we were probably probably 28, maybe by the time I got married, 26, when we got together, 
So, I mean, we're, we weren't young, young, but we weren't old either, but we had both been through relationship. I think it was just, I don't know. It, it was easy. It was, it, it was easy immediately. And so we both had, you there know, there's no one specific moment. It was no. just easy, just right from the start. Oh, I don't think there was a, I don't think there was a moment where I was like, she's the one for me. Yeah. Um, I it, it's 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 odd. My situation is different. Like you got to remember, there's pictures of me and her together when we're like twelve. You know what I mean? So I knew her from the time she was since we were kids. I I, I knew her then, and then obviously, so it was never uncomfortable for me. Um, you know, it was never uncomfortable when we when we met up again. It wasn't like someone I didn't know, uh, like a stranger that I'm trying to learn everything about and whatever yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, that I makes mean, total, and and that sort of touches on the other aspect of you know relationships and meeting somebody. Is some the timing matters, right? Yeah. Like there, there, there might be somebody you meet and you have some sort of connection, and there's potential for something long term. But the timing in either or both of your lives might just not be right for whatever reason, whether it's a move or or location or something happening in your life. That can be something that sort of prevents it from continuing between you two or from just an individual individual person choosing not to really pursue that more often. So it's like you two were an extreme example. You met when you were 12, 13 years old. It wasn't the right timing. But, you know, it's... True, true. If you're in your 20s or 30s too, sometimes the timing needs to be right for something to work. Yeah. So I mean, I don't, I, I don't have a great answer for when do you know? Because I mean, I don't. Yeah. I don't know. This only advice I'll give you, and I read this years ago. I think it was Will Smith that actually said it. Find somebody that you like. There's a lot of people that love each other. You say, I love this person, or I have love for them, or I love them forever. Find somebody you like. I really like her. And that, to me, that's the one. If there's any advice I could give. You really like her. And I, that means you like being around her. You like being in her presence. You enjoy each other. That's, it, for sustainability, I think that is more important than just saying, I love this person. There's a lot of people that love each other. But you got to like the person for it to really, I think, work long term you know what i just realized there's gonna be a whole generation of coronavirus lockdown babies whole generation <laughs> all right <laughs> all right thank you to everybody for sending the questions we will continue this next week thank you to bobby wagner for producing as always go give us a rating and review on itunes five stars five stars it really helps we will talk to you next tuesday